I guess we haven't really had the a good chance to talk. We spoke outside of the DOS show, yeah. right? Yeah, it was at DOS. Okay, DOS is always playing, and I never go to her shows because I just feel like she's always playing. <laughs> yeah, I, I've definitely bumped into her a couple times. Um, but I, I think that was also the first time where I was like, I could go in there, but I, I just chose to stay outside. I don't Same. Know. There was more conversation. I was <laughs> hanging outside the whole time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, friend of the pod, John Exley, put us in <laughs> contact. <laughs> yeah, shout out, John. Big supporter. So, okay, Zane Kind, your last name's Kind, right? Mm-hmm. You were the founder of Silk Node. Yes, right? co-founder with co-founder. Um, Greg Wolf, who's fantastic. Okay, nice. Product designer at Apple. So I feel like I remember you gave me a good rundown of what it is, but if you could remind me, I was trying to do a little bit of research. Yeah, I think, okay, the best way to describe Silk is mm, we're coming into a position where we love Tumblr. <laughs> we love Don't mood we board accounts on Instagram. Um, and coming at this from like a, a, a cultural lens, where has that energy gone and why is it so like ran through now? Because um, post platform, post Instagram, post Twitter, post TikTok, I feel like we're just running out of space for curated media online um, and, and blogs, period. Because uh, the original blog, you know, is like the concept of a web blog, like, you're out here saving links and surfing around and finding these things naturally. Yeah. Um, and I think you can still do that on Tumblr, but it didn't adapt to um, post-platform. And obviously there's Arena too. Shout out Arena. But Big shout out to Arena. Yeah, for real. Um, but yeah, I think we're looking for something new that's more in that lane as well. That's just adapted a little better. So it's going to be like... Think of it as blogging. like the next Tumblr with blogging, multimedia, mood boarding, and... Um, like a creative marketplace running through it. Okay. How long have you been working on this? Um, in its current iteration for probably like a year. Okay, um, nice. Yeah, Greg and I actually met at FWB last summer. Oh, um, at the, at Best? Yeah. Fun. No, That's it was, cool. It was perfect. We really hit it off. Um, we stayed in contact and I think around then in October, a few months later, um, we were just talking about Silk and Greg really liked the idea, was working on something similar called like Warehouse X. Um, and we figured we have a ton of overlap and we can't do this alone. So we banded together to um, look at it in its new form. But prior to that, it had kind of just been like my personal like blog, mood board account on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so I come from like a, like a, des- like a technical outerwear designer's background. Okay. I used to do a bunch of clothes. Um, and that was kind of like my reference repository for all the fun stuff I was finding online that was inspiring my work. And the thing about having an archive online, like the best part is like people get to see that. People get to like interact with it, figure out something new, um, build off of whatever you're sharing. And um, I noticed like a ton of designers were starting to follow. Um, And so you just build this community gradually um, via media, like literally just like the power of media that people find attractive. Yeah. Um, Were you doing it on Instagram or where? Yeah, it was on on Instagram. Nice. Yeah. I've been I've also been thinking a lot about archiving online um mostly I don't want to say it makes me anxious but like the organizational part of it because I feel like I I archive most stuff just on my like hard drive just like in full folders and files I have Mm -hmm. like inspiration on my desktop and definitely like arena's a 
better way to do it for mm-hmm. sure. But I st- it's still not really my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I do talk to a lot of Arena Power users. Do you know Yatu? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Arena Power user for sure. For sure. I feel like that that's most of FWB is just Arena Power users. Yeah. A hundred percent. I did really like Tumblr for that, like the tagging. It was very easy. I don't know if it was just intuitive because like we were just all on it all the time mm-hmm. or if it was actually a user-friendly platform. What are your feelings on Tumblr? How did it inspire what you're doing now and like how are you trying to build off of it? You know, to be honest, I wasn't like a super active Tumblr kid. Um, I, I fell into a different crowd and when I was in middle and high school, um, it was so like peripheral to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been in the last couple of years that um, in talking with more people who come from creative backgrounds that they cite it as such an influence um, for like forming their personality um, totally. and like being a part of subcultures, for instance, um, that it made me like take a second look and like make it past the UI a little bit. And I, I'm writing an essay right now called Blogging Again, um, which hopefully will tie back into um I don't know, just make it a little bit clearer why something like Silk is needed. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does analyze like the foundations of blogging in the 90s and then getting to microblogging with Tumblr, David Karp in like 07. Um, And the whole thing with Tumblr, like when I talk about post-platform, Tumblr was designed for desktop. And it gave Mm -hmm. you all these HTML, CSS tools, which is beautiful. But like then... Twitter kind of took over this like little microblogging space in a different way because they were just really well suited for um, like the the mobile phone Um, and they didn't give you any of these options to like really go crazy on expressive tools and getting into HTML CSS styling Mm -hmm. Um, and even though it was like more had more constraints it became I think uh, it just kind of took away from that blogging spirit and to this day I don't think Tumblr is fully adopted to what it means to be like mobile first. Um, and that reflects to me, at least in the interface. So is your plan to be a, a mobile first platform? Um, we want to like, yes, okay. definitely. But like, ironically, we're actually building desktop first cause okay. it's, it's easier. <laughs> um, and we want people to have like a really strong experience using, um, our platform online as a home base sort of thing. I've noticed when blogging, when web blogging, when archiving, um, I do a ton of the research on my. Um, phone but then I go back and organize it on my computer definitely yeah yeah. and why is that I don't know (laughs) like it's cozy you're usually sitting on your computer at home on the couch like right now um and that's when I don't know you just get to process things a little bit better yeah I wish that I could be someone who works on their phone whenever I go out and you know you see people who are like grinding founders for instance they're always like they're grinding on their phones, like at the bar or whatever. <laughs> and I can't like I sometimes I, I try to write notes if I'm like planning an interview or something. Mm-hmm. I try to do it on my phone. I can't. It's just not the headspace for it. No, I agree. And then you have somebody out here like Virgil Abloh who's like, I do everything off of my phone and WhatsApp. That's crazy. Rest in peace. But like that was definitely a moment I feel like when people were. I don't know. It became like um, like almost like a, a stereotype, like. And I don't think it's actually that efficient. Yeah. (laughs) It's helpful. It's an aid, but. So why do you think that this should be a mobile first platform? I think if we get all of these um, subcultures and distillate like media fragments into the same space properly, then that's just going to be a great browsing experience, blogging experience from your phone, from your fingertips. Um, But I think right now, like, our research tools are better suited for desktop and we don't have a space that's necessarily like 
super conducive to being online, connecting, researching, finding in the moment, like while you're maybe out and about. And mm-hmm. I love doing that. Like yeah. that's one of my favorite things. Instagram's good at it. Tumblr is fine, but it's not very traversable. Um, at least not in the way that I'd like it to be. Um, and I don't know, there just needs to be something different. Yeah, Instagram is very good at it, but it feels like it kind of got blown up too quickly by a lot of content that people who are going to the space to be creative um, or like find like-minded people, it's hard to access. I know that you can do it, yeah, but it requires more work than I personally am willing to put in. Certainly. And like-minded people is like the, you know, that's like the, one of the biggest premises of the original internet is just like, this is more of an intellectual space and we're not going to be out here like, basically the antithesis is what we have today of like, we meet you and we see this representation of you on your Instagram and that's how we get the the picture. Um, but that's not a very good way to like find common ground immediately or like really have an understanding of, I don't know. The premise of Silk is like, it's less about what you look like and more about what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the best ways to put it. And I, I think we we're missing space that, that moves in that direction. Yeah. Um, I like how you put that because you're right. Instagram is, it quickly became what you look like. But when it started off, it was, you know, how long have you had Instagram for? Um, <laughs> I think I was like 12. So like yeah. 2012. Okay. Same. Yeah. I was around there too, but it was like, you know, it was, it was like weird pictures of like literally anything, not, it, it was not so focused on people and it definitely wasn't focused on yourself. So sick. And it changed pretty quickly. Facebook. Facebook. They bought it. Oh yeah, exactly. When did that happen? <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, wanna, I re- remember they bought it for $1 billion and at the time that yeah. was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was like one of the first unicorns or something. Um, I think 15, 16. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, they came in and they applied their little ad model and then it changed forever. So, I'm curious how you are planning on approaching it in terms of like how what is the social component of this app going to be because like I'm thinking that Tumblr was basically just who you follow there wasn't much of an algorithm there really Mm -hmm. and this was also at a time when um what is it called but like the algorithms of um Oh, chronological order was big. Everything was chronological order. Yeah. There was never a, really an idea of something being other than that. And then I think when it became non-chronological order, that's when like algorithms really started to come into place. And then also when content that you didn't specifically subscribe to started showing up in your timeline. Hmm. So do you How wanna, do you feel about that? Um, How do you look at that? I mean, it, de- it purely depends on the platform. Like... Instagram, I honestly don't really care. Okay, wait. I say that I don't care, but I purposefully do not follow very many people on Instagram Mm -hmm. or Twitter because I don't want to be, like, inundated with shit. Yeah. And I don't want to have to, like, feel like I'm scrolling (laughs) to the end of something. Totally. So maybe I guess that has influenced my decision to keep, like, a very low following count. Um, I have been going on the Twitter for you page and I kind of like it. Yeah, me too, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was bad for like a second. Um, and then of course, once we got TikTok, it was like, oh, it's not the algorithm that we hate or it's not like the, it's not seeing content that we didn't subscribe to. It is the algorithm. It's like what is 
being predicted towards us, like what's being given to us and how mm-hmm. accurate it is um, at predicting whether whether or not we're going to like it, right? right? Mm-hmm. TikTok, it's very, it has a very good algorithm. It's really good at predicting what you're going to like. And then all of a sudden it isn't that bad. We yeah. kind of like our algorithms No, exactly. Now. <laughs> like there's an attachment there. And it's like, it's, and this is my whole thing with suggested content was, I've only gotten on TikTok in the last year. I was like, uh, I remember when my high school girlfriend was like, on musically and then went into tiktok and like she was making tiktoks and i was like i can't believe you like i can't believe this this is such a betrayal <laughs> of everything but no um it's been in the last year that i've like warmed up to it a little bit more mm-hmm. i think um there is a place for suggested content algorithms um i think like they can lead you into like fun things but i don't know if that's like i don't know if like having an endless feed of new things to see all at once is is going to help you form a critical thought let alone find a group of people of like minds. Um, and so when I look at something like Arena, which is so adamantly against that and going into this like very human touch, bespoke, these connections are because somebody made them. Um, I think that's kind of more of what we're trying to capture with Silk. Um, we're trying to keep it feeling like it's slow. It should be slow media um, mm-hmm. and not, not fast. So are you trying to m- build it um are you trying to build it so it's a place where you follow people that you already know or a place to discover things that you both okay um yeah so it'll look like um there'll be no follower accounts visible publicly um there'll be no likes everything is is formed around the um the collection action the connection action um so you can think of it and maybe like you have two prongs you have your blog um and then you have webs, which are multimedia mood boards. Um, and webs are where you are like publicly or unpublicly, private, that's like word. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> publicly, you're keeping the stuff that you find both on Silk, whatever interest you're connecting it to, maybe something that um, maybe you have like a folder, a web for a certain theme, um, vibe, aesthetic, whatever. Um, and then your blog is just like, it's you, like that you could think of it as like, um, like you via media. Mm-hmm. Um, so your webs are also in that same component. Your webs can, as blocks, fit into um, your blog. Um, but that's like your you web, if that makes sense. So there's these two prongs. You have like your, your archive and library of all these webs you're creating. Um, but then you have the, the blog, which is like the container for all the things that are more like you. Okay, so yeah. it's more um, self-made content? For sure. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how are these two things going to wait self-made explain like it wouldn't be a selfie like original content it'd be stuff that you pull in from like the internet or stuff that you find on silk but stuff that is like it represents you i see yeah and how how is the reposting going to work um essentially is that the structure that you're building yeah it's it's fully around collection connection mechanisms of like um collection is maybe like like um I think that's appealing because it's like, I don't know, connection's interesting because I, I feel like if you tell somebody you're making a connection on a platform like Arena, it's like, it almost feels like a form of labor mm-hmm. in some kind of way. Like yeah. you're doing communal work, which is cool. And I love that. Um, but the collection, it sounds a little bit more personally engaging and it, it, it lets you know that you're like, um, it's, it's such a slight tweak. Obviously it's two letters, but it's like, it just gives you a little bit more satisfaction like this for me. Right. Um, 
so I, I like that part of it, but it is at the same time, like if you're taking media from a, a separate place um, and bringing it back to yours, that's, that's a connective act and it will show up um, wherever that media originally was, your connection, your bridge. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and how are these two things going to blend into each other or are they like firmly two different categories or is there some kind of interaction between the two? Um, yeah, so you can view on a profile, um, like blog first, but, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then there's like probably a tab for, uh, where all of your webs are. But like I said, you can still put a web into the blog. Okay, nice. Yeah. So do you mostly see this as an archiving tool? I do. I see it as a creative research tool. Um, I think archive is the byproduct. Like right. you're, you're building this in a non- we don't want to give it to somebody else like it's, it's you're doing labor, but like um, I think just the act of finding these things that you're liking, managing them, putting them in public uh, for other people to see inevitably leads to some kind of archival right. act, how an archive you, internet. How do you imagine these things are going to be like categorized or tagged? Like <coughs> Pinterest is a good one. They have the um, boards, yeah. Pinterest boards, and then you... I don't know. The only example that I come up with since a lot of women use Pinterest is like your wedding board, your Mm -hmm. baby board. Yeah, interior design, like (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How are they going to be categorized or how do how do you envision people to like say if you make a web, it'll be just a repository with a title and a caption. Okay. uh, like a bio for that. And you can follow a web individually as well as blogs if you wanna um, keep that in your feed. Um and yeah, we're looking at something chronological. Um I think that's how you keep it slow. And we're also not looking at ads, which I think also really helps keep it slow. Right. Um, how are you planning on keeping it ad-free? What's the model that you guys are planning? Totally. So we're <laughs> we're looking to subsidize a ton off of, um, like at scale, say we, say we reach scale, say everything goes to plan, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully the creative marketplace, um, by taking cuts of people, um, of products that sell, whether that be like something resold, um, something from an artist like a, a painting or a sculpture or a designer uh, like clothes or um, something hardware um like if you transact on our marketplace we take cuts um okay. and hopefully at a certain point that's enough to to float right um as we're starting off and we are bootstrapping at this point um at least until we get to like v1 which should be sometime in q1 um it looks like uh, we're going to have to charge a subscription gate at first at a certain block point, like right. free, like freemium, and then get to a point where, okay, you unfortunately have to pay for now, but yeah. hopefully not forever. We don't want to have subscriptions forever. I mean, yeah, I've talked to a lot of people. I've had some people on the podcast um, who are founders, and I, that's always a question that I ask them, like what kind of pricing model do you want? And i feel like I mean obviously this is like sample bias but most people are okay with paying for a good product I Mm -hmm. think out of everyone who I speak to who's involved in this space um and people like free tools less and less yeah I agree with that I think that there is a big push towards damn we're gonna have to pay for the internet but I guess that's okay I know it, it ensures quality um but I hope that there's a way that we can circumvent that that we just haven't tried out yet yeah. And I think marketplace might be that way. Yeah. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the marketplace is, so this is going to be like an archiving creative research tool, but then also people will be able to sell things on the platform 
what do you envision that they will be selling? Um, like anything or just, no, hopefully not anything. So it's still like (laughs) in the curated, it should never be an eBay, you know? Um, we're still looking at like, um, curated resale. Um, if you're like an artist, hopefully, or a designer, let's say you're a clothing designer, you have a brand, um, or one-offs or whatever. Um, the best part about like curating media around something that you're interested in is like, I was kind of getting at earlier with Silk Note originally was people of like mind, like flock to that. Um, and if you have like that taste overlap, if you make a product that fits into that same lane, you have, you have an audience already there. Um, so alongside all of these link blocks, picture block, video, SoundCloud, PDF, uh, Spotify, whatever, along any, any media type. Um, we also have product blocks that will fit in and that's why it's multimedia. Okay. Um, so hopefully like we'll see how that goes, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're hoping that by traversing these these webs of, of media and finding things that fit into these pockets like you'll just naturally gravitate towards like products that fit into what you're like looking for um, or at least what someone else is looking for that might interest you right. um <clears throat> and then yeah we'll see if that floats mm-hmm. but yeah i i really i think we have with google double click adsense um and going straight into like after the dot-com boom into we need to have ads um, mm. to subsist online, like exactly. to like live. Um, we haven't tried anything since because like maybe you won't make as much money, but like it'll definitely make people feel better to do it, like use what you're, you're like stewarding. Exactly, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I'm trying to think of popular examples um, of social media websites that have introduced a paid tier with no ads anymore Mm -hmm. and how successful they've been because like i don't really think that instagram would ever do that i don't think so either yeah twitter's there right right tumblr has that tumblr's terrible right now it's like you'll be scrolling and it's like 10 ads in a minute i'm honestly surprised that it's still running i I am too (laughs) and we have all been for the last five years but i think wordpress owns them and they own like I want to say like 60, 70% of like every website in the world, like Damn. online, just like massive infrastructure. So I think they can keep Tumblr afloat um, until, oh, until I, they hope, like hopefully I, they figure out something that I don't even understand why they're doing it. Yeah. It feels like Tumblr has been getting bounced around from company to company. Mm-hmm. It's losing money. Like they literally just said something, I think a couple of weeks ago, like it, it lost like 30 million. Or How something. could it not be? Yeah. Like it was, it was a three. I think there was a three in there, 3 million, 30 million, somewhere in there. It was bad. They're just leaking. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, are you still on it? I actually have, I'm more into it than ever right now. Okay. Um, I love Tumblr and there's so many cool people on there. I think um, the cool people that I'm following there that I enjoy seeing pop up are like, they dress well yeah. and like it, it's their, they're posting their life um, and they're, it's usually very aestheticized in a certain way. Um, so it's novel in, in cool ways. And there is great media there floating around as well. Um, but I'm more into it, honestly, for the people more so than like some of the, the stuff that I bump into. Are you, th- are you there to post or are you there to browse? Um, I do post. I like, <clears throat> I have a little, a little blog on there. Um, yeah. but it's just like pictures that I wouldn't post on Instagram. Right. Um, and I, I'm not very active. It's mostly for browsing. I see. Yeah. Is it mostly original content that you're posting yeah like like if i take a if i take a cute (laughs) selfie but like i don't want it on instagram um or if i like i'm smoking 
and I don't want my mom to see it. It goes on <laughs> Tumblr. Um, so yeah, that's that's my deal. Are you on Tumblr? I am on Tumblr. Um, I'm definitely not posting. I haven't posted in years. Yeah. Uh, but I think that what they introduced was like you you can't even look at someone's Tumblr. I don't know what that what that model is called. Like Pinterest had it for a while where you couldn't even go on Pinterest without making an account. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it for that purpose. Like if I ever need to, and if I ever need to look at an old blog and it's never new content, like there are a few people from back in the day who their content or their blogs had such a big impression on my brain that I constantly <laughs> go back and look at it. Yeah. Um, like what? Okay, there's this one woman. I like hesitate to say her to to expose who who this is because I've been like biting her like, <laughs> style since, since I was like 14. Yeah, she's left a huge impression on me. Um, her name is Taylor Ruth. Okay. Even my my username is the same as hers. No way. It's based on a Lizzie Mercier de Clue song, like Hard Boiled Babe. Really? And That's I got that cut. when I was like 14 oh my God. because that was one of her usernames somewhere. <laughs> That's like crazy information that you just spilled. That's I know. like lore. You're, you're totally Literally. And I'm like embarrassed because I, when I was a teenager, I used to like, like I, I, I was biting her style so badly. That's real though. That's how we learn. For real. And like such great reference points from Tumblr, like yeah. really cool people. That's where I learned about like all the cool music that I was listening to. No, totally. To. Like subcultural internet and like we don't have enough of it totally and like it's definitely where i got my art style Mm -hmm. when i was a kid again it was not original yeah nothing is (laughs) exactly um there's in fashion there's a really interesting i was just talking to somebody out here this week it's fashion week um and it was like they had this retail pop-up and my friend benjamin benjamin greco he makes amazing like leather bags but also like really wonderful clothes as well super Mm -hmm. functional um but he the, the buyer had him like um selling at their little pop-up and are you familiar with the posse scene? no what's that? <clears throat> it's like a online boutique of independent designers um really like doing amazing stuff because I, I honestly like the industry as it stands is not allowing all of these people who are extremely talented to find gigs mm-hmm. so there's so many people who are trying to stick it out for their own right um and and build a brand themselves and so we have like a ton of these wonderful beautiful high quality independent brands floating around but apostine is one of the aggregators um where they take a bunch of them and put them in the same place um just it's it's really cool i fuck with them and then from there um i was only thinking of that because this place called like commune space um they're doing something similar but it's it's tangible it's irl um so they had a pop-up the other day um in the city and I was over there checking on Benjamin's stuff. Um, and we were just talking about like, like super openly about where did my, like, where did our clothes come from? Like, where did our style come from today? And it's like in fashion, there's such a gatekeeper culture around like, totally. oh, there's this brand. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> but you, you like inevitably you do inevitably, the, inevitably those people have found it from somebody at, at a different point as well. And like, I, I hate how people want to hold the door um, behind them. Um, or I don't hold the door behind them sometimes. It's like, right. and I think that that should apply to almost everything online, not just fashion, but like the general spirit of like, I I like this. It's cool. Um, it, it's, it's, it's helped me grow. And I also, in some way, if this can help somebody else, like I'm gonna put it out there, leave a trail. Do you think that people are embarrassed of exposing their reference points or like 
are, are they trying to create an illusion of total originality <laughs> i would i would guess like i mean probably like to i'm sure that's definitely a population of the gatekeepers <laughs> yeah i feel like i kind of do that to a certain extent but that's because i am embarrassed like okay the thing that you said earlier like nothing's original i remember thinking this when i was like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. and um i mean i'm a libra which me too you are yeah no way when october 19th 17th 17th wow that's so crazy that's wonderful it's coming um, up okay i mentioned that i'm a libra because i don't know how accurate this is or not um but it's kind of like a copycat sign <laughs> is it okay it's just that you like <laughs> you you're really good at like making people feel comfortable and emulating people and like mirroring people mm, and that's i feel that yeah that's yeah. what makes you good at socializing and it's what makes people feel at ease when you're around them but i i think that that kind of always comes a little bit with like copying people Mm -hmm. um and i've always felt very unoriginal and i remember when i was young being comforted by the idea of like nothing's original but the illusion of originality is just finding cool reference points from like very like um a wide range of places yeah or things that are otherwise not connected and bringing all of those different things together totally everybody um, does this it's the it's like it's the most human thing you do exactly um i sound terrible for pulling up the steve jobs quote right now but he has one <laughs> and it's the best it's like foundational what, what is it um creativity is just connecting things maybe you've heard this mm-hmm. uh when you ask creative people how they did something they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it they just saw something right it seemed obvious to them after a while um and that's because they were able to connect experiences they've had and synthesize new things um and that's just like i don't know that's steve jobs saying that um and like if somebody like him is willing to admit like you know i'm i'm taking some i'm taking from something like yeah i mean everybody it's just normal that's like that's what being human is about it's a it's hybridation it's like um hybridization appropriation of like an appropriation not in like the you know the bad way but like just combining new things and like putting it in new context totally um i think it is true like what we see as original is probably just two or three different ideas that were really separate from each other, but you were able to synthesize it into mm-hmm. one thing. Right. And maybe one person who sees that knows one of the references, but doesn't know the other one. And it's still new to them. Exactly. Um, so that's the cool part. But I, I do agree. Like it can be kind of like, I don't want to show. It's like, it's just me, but you know, whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. this also, when we talk about the archive internet, curated internet, uh, sharing references, not gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, I think that's more important now than ever. Um, and a a big reason why I want Silk to exist so bad so soon, like we've been pushing for a while and it should get here soon, but, um, like we just need to share more. Um, we need more people to put these things out there. Even that is a, I feel like that's a contentious statement because there is this pervasive idea that we're all sharing too much, Mm -hmm. but maybe do you think that we're just sharing too much of the wrong content or that just point blank, we aren't sharing enough? I think point blank, we aren't sharing enough. Damn. Wow. I think there's so much media out there and only so much of it actually makes us happy, but we keep it for ourselves um, more often than we should. Very interesting. Because I feel like now there's a platform for pretty much everything except for what you are talking about. And I mean, okay, like Arena is a good example of this as we were just talking mm-hmm. about, but like 
There's a platform like Rate Your Music for the music that you listen to. Letterboxd for movies. Love Letterboxd so much. Letterboxd yeah. is great. Um, also kind of like a new addition to the to the circuit of popular social media which like really filled a hole i think um Mm -hmm. but they're all there exists these different hubs for different types of media of like what people are curating as their favorites or like being able to log what what it is that they're consuming i i'm so my thesis at school right now is about um i'm going to my senior year at stanford and my senior thesis is about the um the personalization of of media um, the individualization of media. Okay. We are more and more only seeing things that only we're seeing and then other people online are seeing them, but not in local spaces. So like mm-hmm. maybe I'll see something and I love it and I assumed it went viral for everybody. And then I'd ask my friend about it, like no idea. Right. Um, and then this in the sixties and the fifties, there were three TV channels. Everybody was tuning into yeah, television true. at the same time. Um, millions and millions of people go to school, talk about it the next day with everybody. It was like mass culture. Um, and even like early internet, there were, there were places online before content algorithms came around where oftentimes like there'd be like editorial picks, like, and, and you would see that on the homepage, like here's what's cool on YouTube today. And here's what we picked out. Here's what's cool on, on Vimeo. Um, and everybody has the opportunity to say the same thing. I think that's Mm -hmm. so unifying. I think, I think that needs to come back a bit more too. Um, so we will have like an editorial page on Silk, but, um, it, it just, it just, this is more human. So do you want people to be exposed to more of the same content? Like, are you suggesting a reversion to like the, the, I am. And channels? I know that sounds <laughs> counterintuitive because we're obsessed with, um, individuality right now and being different. So true. Um, but I think it would be one of the best things that happens online in a long time. Um, that's interesting because one of my predictions um, for this year and also next year has been like an inevitable return or not even return, but reversion retreat into the, um, into the niche. Mm-hmm. I feel like the reason why people don't like Instagram is because they're trying to pander too hard to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's why it doesn't work. I sometimes feel that way. I also sometimes think people get so esoteric that like they try and be so individual that it, scares people away that is true like you're right in what you say that even what used to be fringe back in the day like being punk um it was so it was it was very unified Mm -hmm. in the scene subculture yeah because since all of the media all of the things that we were consuming were so unified um there were fewer places to go to like stem out from that right Mm -hmm. um you're and now there's be, so yeah. many mm-hmm. even like a niche now it's kind of hard to figure out how big or small niches are because when i think about tumblr like what was big on tumblr lana del rey the 1975 <laughs> and those felt kind of huge to me those felt like very mainstream but i think Surely. girls in high school who were listening to the seven to the 1975 they were like oh this is so like i'm this being so all, alternative right yeah now. yeah no like and that that's the kind of alt that needs to like you know eventually it'll if it sticks around long enough and it finds a life after the niche like that's organic that happened naturally and like it it wasn't ever pressured into um, becoming something that existed in everybody's brain it was like that happened slowly um, and from like an origin and I think that's why those fan bases are so strong today um, but I don't know I don't feel like you just see people popping up now and it's like where did you come from or where did this vibe come from like. Mm. 
so I don't know, there's an there's a artificial feeling. Um, and I was losing track on this earlier when I was talking about like we need to be sharing things. Um, but like right now, when you talk about niches and like remembering things and certain people being attracted to subgroups of history, it's all about it, there's our culture right now is about hybridization and nostalgia taking things from the past, uh, whether that be in 2016, SoundCloud, whether that be like something like that, or like going back to like the 30s or I don't know, 40s, like looking at um, original Hollywood cinema. Um, and there, there's all these people who are, there's so much media, we have left such a modern like treasure trove of all these things to dig into. And since the internet has made all these things so, all these artifacts so accessible, all these people are now gravitating naturally and individualizing naturally into certain groups that respect these things. Um, but like you were saying earlier with Instagram, like, or even Tumblr, like tagging only goes so far on Instagram. It's like, it's kind of a force because you're not being exposed to what people are into. Mm -hmm. Again, just like why we need to be sharing things is exactly that. Like there just needs to be more places out there with pockets of, of information right. that are harking back to the things that people love. And then I think that's how we get new things. I think that's how we get out of the slump of like mass remembering culture is by remembering better. Okay, that's a very interesting point because what I'm thinking of right now, like it's very Mark Fisher, Mark Fisher-esque. Um, like hauntology? Yeah, or how... capitalist realism? Our, our hauntology for sure. Like as our archive is getting longer, do you think that we're more inclined to get lost in it? Or, or <clears throat> that's going to prevent us from building new things? No, I, th I genuinely think <laughs> if we do a better job of like, if we continue to build infrastructure for um, remembering these things that matter to us, like we learn more about ourselves and we learn more about what we're interested in doing in the future. Um, building out, like they say, like knowledge is power, like building out your reference library and coming to like, you know, carve out who, who you are, what you like is one of the most like beautiful things you can do with your time on, right. on earth. Um, and I think building as much infrastructure around that basic play as possible is, is net positive. Yeah. Do you think that you have to have like a specified reason for doing this or just by consuming and by sitting with media that's going to inspire you to build new stuff? Um, like this, are you talking about like on silk? Or are you talking about just in general, in the general. act of saving? Um, I, I think like it's really important to do it just for yourself. Um, to look at like, to build out where you've been um, and, and help that inform us where you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, do you guys have any ideas for building any infrastructure or for like suggesting to your users to build out any form of original content to like make this a generative platform instead of one that's just kind of backward looking or like archival. Right. Um, right now, no, like I think we act as a sort of created layer on top of what already exists. And there's mm -hmm. so many great outlets for publishing yourself, um, and things that you make, um, as it stands. And we're not trying to replace any of them. Yeah. Um, should exist. Instagram, you should be able to post whatever. Um, you should have a website still like, um, you should have an outlet for like the things that you're making. And then those can like, somebody can find that and put it on silk for instance. Right. Um, but in terms of it being super generative itself, no, I think it's more 
it's more insulating right in a way yeah because i'm thinking about going back to tumblr again in my mind there were two brands of tumblr posters mm-hmm. um or like tumblr accounts like the purely reblogging ones and then the original content ones that's where people were posting like they were yeah. blogging in the true truest sense like writing out posts or like posting their own photos mm-hmm. putting out their own art and then like through that content that's what built the other cultures that were existing on the platforms as well yeah but then also just like people you know like photo blogs who were posting like 70s black and white aesthetic photos yeah no totally um i'm not even really sure that i, I don't think that one is better than the other necessarily especially in terms of this conversation but i guess back then i had a bias towards the people who were like using those platforms as their own personal like website or blog for their shit Mm -hmm. you can't ask everybody to do that um some people gravitate to it more more so than others um that's just people um but even so like if you're gonna be out here reblogging um that's that's better than just lurking and doing nothing Um, and i think we can build a better way to to make that constructive and not just a personal act like make that like being being somebody out here who is reblocking or saving something from um anywhere else that that is a constructive act in a way if it's if if, if you can find it like mm-hmm. if you can find the public place that they connected it to because that reflect that reflects like a whole other pocket of of person of identity of maybe even like a, a smaller fragment of a larger subculture um so I think they're, I don't know, they're both instrumental. Um, I just want, I, I, they talk a lot about like the creator economy and like, yes, you need yeah. these people who are going to make the content right, right, right. Um, or put the media together. But the curator economy is the underpin, like the, these people who are actually doing that work and putting these things in new places and moving them around are what makes it move. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. Going back to the individualization point that you mentioned earlier um i'm thinking about what we were saying about niche and how people want things to be very niche they want the things that they like to be like oh you probably wouldn't know about it yeah, like you probably wouldn't yeah. like it you wouldn't understand it oh that i was there like five years ago <laughs> yeah how long do you think people have been doing this is this a new thing oh i couldn't tell you like I, I first became familiar with it with like I grew up near Portland mm-hmm. um, and there's a huge hipster culture in yeah, Portland yeah. Um, and y- you would hear all the time these jokes at their expense like oh like yeah like I knew about that five years ago or like yes. you know something to the effect of like you're late or um, you wouldn't know about this like you know it's like maybe I do um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know I don't know if that'll go away or what but I, I don't I don't mind it I've definitely been in that mind space myself like totally like that's supernatural to be kind of protective over the stuff you're liking but why why is that though uh it's a it gets back to this core part of like i think what you are into says so much more about yourself it's a piece of you Mm -hmm. than anything you can do that is is like um anything you can wear anything you can even sometimes say um these things that you that attract you say so much more and i think intrinsically we kind of just know that I think like giving that giving that stuff away is almost like giving yourself away mm-hmm. at a certain point, and so it's like it can be kind of challenging. But um, I, I hope that that's something that we are able to grow out of collectively. 
because I don't I don't know how old that how long there have been crazy gatekeepers in this exact mindset. But the <laughs> internet is so young. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like remembering cult like nostalgia culture is so young. Um, I think it has a lot of maturity that's still ahead of it, um, especially as the internet. You know, we we change our models of how we exist online and all that. I would be willing to bet that nostalgia is like an inherent um, function of ourselves. You know, we we remember the past more fondly. That's just kind of like a philosophical notion. You only really remember the nice things. So then mm-hmm. very easily you slip into, <coughs> it used to be better. Yeah. I know people who have been yearning for 2016 since like 2017. What about 2016 do people like? I remember 2016 as being like, a bad time aesthetically. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's probably just because I was like a 20 year old woman and like the things that were yeah, going on for us back then totally. was not great. No, absolutely. <laughs> like it was a dark time in a lot of ways. Um, culturally, it was really like there's so much going on. What I think I, I, I hear the most about this nostalgia from people who are like really into SoundCloud rap. Like okay, the, yeah. the 2016 XXL freshman class with like Lil Yachty, Lil Uzi. Um, is that what you were doing people. in 2016? I was definitely so deep into like SoundCloud rap at the time. And like, yeah, I don't know. I think that was also around the same time that I started getting into thrifting. And a lot of people I knew like started gravitating towards like goodwill. And for once in their life, like spending money on clothes that not everybody else was wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I was like during, during lunch and after school with friends, I would go to like thrift. And I, I remember this time this is around when Depop kind of got going too. Big. Um, and I look back at like what I was wearing and it's like, dude, I can't, I can't even believe that. I can't believe that I was wearing less like dumbass vintage. Um, <laughs> but at the time it was like, I would go to Goodwill, put on like some probably old ass, maybe even dead, like grandpa's sweater type yeah, of thing yeah. and feel like the flyest motherfucker in there. <laughs> and like, I look back and I'm like, dude, like, I don't know even know what I was thinking. Like it was <laughs> God awful. But um, at the time it just, there's a, a youthful discovery around that time where I think there's a fun peaking of, of kind of what was to happen of the future of like being individualized and experimenting a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that has to do with it. I, I think especially coming from a male perspective, that makes more sense. Um, I don't know. I grew up in like Eastern Canada. Um, it definitely wasn't like a hotbed of culture. It was like leftovers for sure. I felt like we were really behind. We, we were getting everything a couple of years late. Interesting. Um, so I feel like my friends and I, we started listening to like SoundCloud rappers in 2018. Mm-hmm. But in 2016, it was firmly like views came out that year. <laughs> like Rihanna's yeah, Anti true. came out that oh year. Oh my God, that's that was, so true. That was big. Yeah. That's definitely what occupies my 2016 mind. And then weirdly, in my mind and in my own personal history, the times that I felt the most unique and like I was trailblazing my own taste and curating yeah. my own um, like media consumption was when I was younger and I was like, like had no friends and was on the computer mm-hmm. literally all the time. It's a very, like the internet really came to a point that, and and some somewhere in there, I think it was it was a turning point somehow. Yeah. Um. And I don't I don't exactly know how, but I, I think we're onto something. <laughs> we're onto what? I think we're we're onto like where this this almost sense of like coming into your own online 
stems from. Um, there's like a, like you said, like figuring out who I am, what I'm into, uh, what I'm listening to and seeing other people starting to do it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was a shift. Um, and I think around this time also, and I may be really wrong here. Maybe I was just super late, but I remember like meme pages start cropping up a ton yeah. in like 2015, 2016. Um, and that, that was new too. So I, I think there was just like new novel ways of being online that kind of, I think a lot of people that are still online obviously remember and it, it, it's nostalgic in that way. Yeah. I don't know. There are definitely two parts of this, just like we were touching on earlier, like subcultures have exploded, mm-hmm. not necessarily in size, but in numbers. Like there's so many different things <clears throat> to, to stem off to that maybe have already ex- existed in some capacity, but now they're much more accessible um and then there's also been this part of being online where we're so much more like assimilated or unified in a certain way i'm thinking of you know on tiktok everyone there was this really popular comment that would be left on every video that was like damn we're really all the same person for real yeah yeah (laughs) like we all had the same childhood yes exactly um and right now on the topic of nostalgia you're on tiktok right yeah have you been seeing all of the 2000s nostalgia like slideshows yeah i've been seeing so mm-hmm. many of those do you remember like a year ago when like frutiger arrow was like everybody's favorite thing it's like Wh- this what is it it's called frutiger arrow never heard. it's like this um graphic design style that kind of happened in the mid aughts um like i think windows embraced it really hard and it's like this like flowing colorful like usually in a lot of, in a lot of times it was like green um it'd be like a a trail running across in like a whimsical way across the screen and like um uh it's kind of like it it just felt futurist online for that time and we look back at it now and there's a lot of people who are like oh that was so cool um but you i love the point that you grabbed about like oh my god we all had the same childhood that comment running around yeah i think that is the the start of people getting closer to like understanding that even though we have been so pressured into being individualized and have had so much fun with that and maybe also had terrible times with that. Um, and it's like, and it's effects on our society, especially being online. Like so many people can tell you like, Oh, it's great, but I also hate it. Um, I think we're getting back to a point where it's like, wait, we're all in the same system. Like even if we're interested in different things, we're all still under the same umbrella. And I am hoping that there's just more solace taken around that rather than despair. Yeah. Do you find that curation is, should it be aimed towards finding something or presenting something that everyone can like or relate to or speaking to a niche? Mm, I think, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like, the speaking to a niche happens almost, in my opinion, I think that almost happens like um, on accident sometimes. It's simply by putting it out there that you figure out who those people are um, because they gravitate towards it themselves. And that's when the niche forms. But it shouldn't like you shouldn't be thinking, oh, I think everybody's going to like this. But I think you should at least be at the point where it's like I should put it out there so I can see who likes it. Right. Yeah. What kinds of reference points do you have? What are your curatorial archiving practices like? Um, I love that question so much. Yeah. So. Like, coming from, like, a designer's background, it was super fashion-intensive, especially, like, you could call it tech wear, you could call it Gorp Core, um, you, could, you could call it, like, functional outerwear. 
It's because you're um, from Portland. Yes, yeah, I'm from <laughs> Portland, and I grew up playing sports. Yeah. Um, and part of what I was getting at when I was saying, like, I, w- I was thrifting around this time, and being in Portland actually changed my life in that time because, um, or being outside Portland, because all of these, so Nike's there, and Nike has right. tons and tons and tons of sampled product. It just floods into the Goodwills Damn. outside of Portland. <laughs> so I would grow up, like, going to the bins or whatever, um, and digging through and finding some shit I'd never seen. And it was like, uh, this, maybe it was defective, but like, you know, it was like, this is interesting. This is new. I feel like it's special. Um, and I think that was maybe the beginning of like my almost curatorial practice. Cause I, I started digging into Nike ACG this way. Um, I started digging into all these different like Nike sub product lines and finding huge communities of like Nike collectors and appreciators online. Um, and, and using a ton of ACG, which is like all conditions gear. I don't know if you're familiar, mm-hmm. um, using their outerwear line to inform my work. Um, and so that was, I think that was kind of like my, my birth into even understanding the importance of curation. Um, and it, it was just, so I had this page called ACG archive where I would document, um, all the stuff that like I would find online, put it like on a white background. And it's just like product photography, like a wall of product photography on this account. Um, and like people love like designers especially love archive accounts because they 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 gravitate towards finding something new, um, and 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 not just them but like appreciators, collectors, communities, um, and that, that was the eye-opening moment for me. Um, and the same thing with Silk was like I transitioned out of my ACG period and into like just I don't know like more experimental functional autowear stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was Japanese. Like, um, uh, are you familiar with like? the Urahara Jaku. Um, I don't think so. It's like a, uh, a neighborhood in Tokyo and there's a ton of really cool like streetwear original kind of like fun technical clothing that was come out, coming out of this group. I have a bunch um, of Fruits magazines up yeah, there. Is so it adjacent guaranteed to find a ton of the shit in Fruits. Okay. Um, but it, it was one of the strongest, youngest, I mean today oldest subcultures that really popped up was like in Shibuya. Um and so they had a ton of stuff that was attractive to me. Um, and I would also collect this, curate it, share it with people. Um, and that was like huge for me. I mean, that, that's what, that's where Silk started. I was, it was Silk Node, the account was like just my, my repository for that. Um, and I think like, yeah, digging through, like even beyond clothes now, I like looking at a lot more art. And like, I think part of what we're trying to make Silk about is like appealing to all creative people. So it's obviously not just about clothes anymore. Um, probably like architecture or um like a a really fantastic artist or even songs like movies um so expanding the research practice into these other realms has been really fun for me recently too yeah were you doing that mostly digitally or yeah for sure um every once in a while i would like import a magazine or something um but i was never one of the diehard guys who would like scan it and like share it somewhere yeah yeah I don't know. I think that the reason why we're so nostalgic around the media that we were consuming when we were teenagers is because there was such like an unabashed, not childlike, but adolescent exuberance or like Mm -hmm. excitement about it. And you really did feel like you were the only person who knew about this and like you had to put this on the map. Right. And it's been disheartening to see that other people were doing the same thing. But exactly. I think that's something that we have to reckon with. And yeah. it's, it's it's great to come out of our bedrooms together like that and be like, oh, wait, I guess, you know, even if we were doing this apart, we were all doing it together. Yeah, totally. Like when you're a kid, you think that you invented everything. Right. <laughs> I love the one like you're like riding in the car somewhere on the highway with your family and like you have like a stick figure that you're like holding up against the window 
to like it looks like it's running alongside the car or something. Did you ever do that? I, I saw a meme about that. I was like, I can't believe somebody else did that. Like, <laughs> I'm blowing my mind. I did the one where I would somewhere? close my eyes and like map in my head. Like when we were driving home, I would close my eyes and map in my head where we were. And then I would open my eyes to like see if I was right. Yeah. And, and I, I love that. That was definitely something that only that I thought that only I did. And mm-hmm. then when I saw TikTok about it, I was like, damn. That's so cute. I it love is that. so weird that our brains all work in the same way. No, like, we're so much more alike than we seem, um, and that's good. That's really a good thing. I was definitely falling prey to the, like, uh, obscure Olympics when I was a teenager. Like, <laughs> I don't know about the obscure Olympics. I mean, I just invented it right now. Cause oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, the oppression Olympics, but yes. for obscurity. Like, I wanted to be so Facts. weird. I wanted yeah. to, like, listen to music that you couldn't even find online. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be, like, buying shit on Discogs that had never been uploaded Hell to yeah. the internet before. <laughs> That's so real. And now I could definitely disguise that as, like, a... Um, an archival process or mm-hmm. like I don't want <clears throat> certain kinds of media to be lost but at the time it was just like I wanted to like shit that was so obscure and was so niche that like I couldn't even look on the internet because that had already been exposed to people like Feels I really needed good. like yeah. I needed like like s- s- 60s African high life that had never <laughs> been uploaded on SoulSeek before right. um, and I've definitely because I was like that for so long i've like swung the other way now and mm-hmm. now i love listening to the 1975 and lana del rey straight up yeah <laughs> no straight up i've i've been really into drake recently yes so are you coming to the symposium no we're having it here <laughs> when in october i'll be gone um you can write a paper for it though ruby is the one who's the symposium yeah that's an amazing game we're i don't Six. know how many submissions we have but i'm writing a paper for it right now about existential longing and drake i think that he's like the poster child for drake for longing yeah that's a probably gonna be a great essay I thank look you to reading that. I'm, I'm working on it right now i think we, we still have to go through a lot of the submissions and see which ones we're going to accept cool but yeah we'll maybe. probably have let like a look, yeah let me look into it i'd maybe love to submit i used to work for drake what did you do for him? When I was getting into, um, so I, I ran ACG Archive, mm-hmm. and like a, a ton of designers were flocking to the page, and like I would take note of who these people were, and DM them, and be like, hey, like I'm trying to become a designer, like just my background, and here's, I mean, you like the page, like maybe maybe there's something I can work on you or work on with you, um, like let me know if you need help. So you were marketing yourself from your from your archive. Yes, Damn, and I, like that's nice. Curation is marketing, like, so true. and that's that's a, a very another foundational insight that's informing silk is like you can still and i think that's why the marketplace will work is because like yeah we have to see put it in practice but anyways um i hit up a designer i hit up so many but this one gave me a ton of love back um and he was like do you know how to use adobe illustrator like let's think about like working like if you're down um i'm like no like what is that it's like do you know how to do reference research clearly i did i didn't know it was called reference research Mm -hmm. i was like no like what is that um, and he was like, it's a goner. Like, like, sorry. Like maybe when you're in LA, uh, cause he's from Los Angeles, um, we can work together or like get coffee. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, you know what? Like I was in freshman year of college and, um, I was like, you know what? Like if you're serious, cause I was, I mean, just up the state in, in the Bay, I was like, I'll fly down to California and meet you right now. Cause like, I'd love to get coffee. Um, 
And he's like, oh, like he's serious. <laughs> um, and then we jumped on a call and I was telling him more about what I like was into and he was kind of like feeling me out. And then um, I signed an NDA the next day and it's, it's in there talking about the boy. I'm like, uh, Damn. like, who is that? And I look at the fine print, like, uh, by the way, when we talk about the boy, we're talking about Drake, the commercial <laughs> artist. Um, and so, yeah, I, I started working on these really cool projects for Drake's Nike line, um, Nocta. And then when COVID hit, I actually had the really wonderful opportunity um, to move to Los Angeles and intern at Drake's creative agency, uh, Dream Crew, for like maybe four months, um, going into the office every day and... Um, hanging out and I mean obviously working a shit ton but mm-hmm. it's one of the most formative experiences of my life and there are a couple times in there where like Drake would be on FaceTime in the same room and be like oh damn that's crazy You're really weird are they still doing stuff Nocta yeah yeah it's okay. it's it's not as good anymore but um <laughs> it's not as good since I left yeah since I left no I'm just kidding the actual the designer who brought me in um he left after like there was a falling out or something after like the first year um but he was really talented. Unfortunately, like, yeah, the brand just has not been able to fill that gap. Um, they're really into like graphic stuff right now and like, I don't know, whatever. Interesting. Yeah. So you were designing the shoes? I was, I was assistant apparel and footwear design. So I would go in and do like a ton of reference research. I would do a lot of our stuff on, um, like I would make the mock-ups on illustrator, like mm-hmm. so that we could play with colorways or whatever. Um, and that would be like, we would get a sample. So our designer would design them. We would get the sample. I would convert it into a file, basically, um, using Illustrator, mapping out the points and making it look like a, a garment. Um, and then this is essentially what you end up sending to factories, like, and also the models that you apply, like the, um, the tweaks to it just, it's like the, it's like the way that we interact with like production basically is like just giving them the model of how, how it looks, colors, whatever, pantones. So tech pack stuff, um, and I would do a ton of that prep work um, and just spend all like my entire day like in Illustrator just doing whatever. Damn, um, that's right. I, I didn't do any of the design myself, no. Okay. I mean, you can market yourself from your from your curatorial practices. I guess it's kind of like a, it's a portfolio. It is. For and sure. What you're into says so much more about you than what you look like. Um, I think that is something that has yet to be like fully embraced. Um, so what's the, the crux of your thesis? Are you writing it right now or are you doing all the research? Okay. Do you know what your argument (coughs) is? Um, I, I don't know. So a lot of it has to do with just telling a new story. It's less of a proposal of like where things are going, I think, than, than it is, um, uh, a newer it's like a, a it's a refined history like looking at okay here are some certain events that I think led to where we are now um in terms of like individualization online and to me it goes back to a few places but one um the counterculture um another one being the advent of targeting advertising like that's already like that's like 1880s or something um or no, parasocial advertising, I should say, mm-hmm. um, when like they would put a face, like a familiar face on a brand, on a brand product, right. um, whether that be like Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben's, um, Orville Redenbach, like these people that like you would have a relationship with a brand now. So how that turned into like celebrity culture and like celebrity product endorsements, um, how that combined with like targeted advertising with the advent of the internet and Google, 
um, how all these things came together to create, and then reality TV too, um, how all these things came together to create the the individual um, and the aspiration towards towards being um, a celebrity or a, an influencer of some kind or um, all of these things. And then like, inevitably like the content you consume too and how that has become super individualized ingrained into our habits of using socials, right, TikTok, yeah. whatever, for and you your, page. Your identity. Yeah. For sure. Do you think that everyone's trying to become an influencer now in like <clears throat> in, in public posting or curating, archiving platforms? <laughs> the, no, like the majority or the minority is ex it's a it's a loud minority of these people who are you know publicly aspiring to that but i think there is like a good amount of people even outside of that who don't necessarily want to aspire to like the highest of heights um but who simply just want to make a living um off of like doing that kind of thing or at least appearing to be doing that kind of thing mm, yeah um, it does seem like a kind of i don't even know if you can be a public facing or public posting individual without trying to uh show how cool you are <laughs> or yeah. show how good your taste is yeah, totally. which i'm not entirely convinced that that's a bad thing people try to make it out to be a really bad thing um but in this era i think a lot about like our ideas of ourselves the ideas the, the picture of ourselves that we're trying to curate and like control mm -hmm. other people's minds. Like I, I think that we get innately uncomfortable at the prospect that we can't control how other people see us. So that's kind of what we're trying to do, but maybe I'm just projecting. Cause I feel I like subconsciously, that. that's not to me yeah. valid. If, if I'm being honest with myself, that's like what I'm trying to do when I post, <clears throat> I want other people to think I'm cool and mm. I want other people to think that I have great taste. Well, not only do you want to remember things like you want to be remembered. Yes. Like you, need, you want to leave a mark. Um, that's, that's, it's so, it's really interesting. Cause like that is so at odds with also this need to be, a part of an in-group to mm -hmm. feel acceptance totally. and so <clears throat> i think the internet has introduced a really you know weird clash for the first time ever like yes you want to like stand out and be seen by all these people who maybe not all these people but like you want to stand out and be remembered and leave a mark um you know i feel like that's like everything anybody's ever tried to do in a way but um that sometimes is at huge odds with also the the same idea of like i want to meet somebody who like understands me yeah definitely um that outreach and like finding a community community yeah of course okay i feel like we've done about an hour sweet it's we a good can, hour we can wrap yeah yeah it, it always goes by very fast no definitely that was a <laughs> speed run in my head but that's crazy <laughs> thank you so much for coming on so it's going to be available q1 is that like publicly or oh yeah um we'll have a beta private beta by the end of the year friends and family okay i can sneak you in there if you'd like would love okay um and then we'll be doing like yeah like just bug killing refinement um taking feedback and then hopefully q1 we have something to give to people nice you guys mm. are just building it right now like in the midst of it big time yeah nice yeah it's it's a fun process our our lead engineer his name's darren he goes to ucla he's actually here for fashion week he's a model and finding like a 
like a CS engineer geek kid who can mm-hmm. also, you know, walk a runway is just the best thing ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, fucking love Darren. He's Jack been putting crazy work. Um, really happy to have him. And then yeah, Greg is going in on design stuff every day and then I'm mostly doing marketing. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I'm, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> no, cheers. Thank you for um, having me on. And yeah, looking forward to Thanks for coming. Responses. Yeah.